Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea. I'm Christy. This is Josh. And we're so glad you're back with us today. We're, we took a little bit of a break. A holiday, a you holiday. might say. There was a, a little holiday called Christmas that and just New passed and, and New Year's. And so we took a little break from reviewing new material. Yeah. Well, not new, but... New to the podcast. New to the podcast. But we didn't want to leave you hanging in your podcast feed. We have a little special treat for you. Yeah, thanks to Christy's hard work. (laughs) uh, She went back and looked at, well, what's our most popular podcast, most listened to? And it was the Symbol album from Mm -hmm. 1992 so far. Um, So at the time we recorded that... We were not including audio clips of uh, what we were discussing in the podcast. So you've gone back through and have reloaded the Love Symbol album podcast review. Hence, this is Reloaded Love Symbol. Reloaded. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. So enjoy that. Uh, We weren't Prince free over our break, though. I got a really great birthday gift because my birthday is right near Christmas. So I got a gift from dear Josh here. We went and saw The Revolution live in Austin. Yes, on December 29th. We were there. So, so cool. And we met the band. We did. Which was so awesome. For a second time. A second time. Shockingly, not a single one of them remembered us. Oh, I know, because we're so, you know, memorable. Although they did seem to believe us when we said we met them before. So credit (laughs) to them. They did. And they were just as warm and wonderful. Yeah, every single member of the Revolution and uh, Dr. Fink's wife and Bobby Z's wife were all there. It was great. All very sweet, very genuine, and And very appreciative. And Diana Parker, friend of the pod. Yeah, met her there. Which was super cool. Walked in right behind her. Uh Uh-huh, which was super fun. Got to watch the whole show with her. Talked her into doing the meet and greet with us. Yeah, we spent her money real quick. (laughs) It was great, Diana. We were glad to meet you. And that was super, super fun. But we're going to leave you now, let you have a listen to this Reloaded Love Symbol album discussion and then we're gonna pop back in at the end and josh is going to tell me what we're going to cover on the next episode i don't know yet so uh we'll be back at the end to tell you all about that enjoy this episode reloaded welcome back to the mountains in the sea podcast a retrospective of Prince's albums. I'm Christy. This is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back. We're going to look at the Love Symbol album. Last time we looked at the Love Sexy album and all of its ancillary materials in our last two podcasts. So if you didn't listen to that, go back and check it out. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We're going to have just as much fun with the Love Symbol album. I'm super excited about it. If you missed our previous podcasts, you can catch them on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you'd like to listen to a podcast. You can find us there. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find us on Facebook at The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can tweet at us at TMATS podcast, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or you can email us at tmatspodcast at gmail.com. All right, so All we're right. going to talk about the Love Symbol album. We are. There's a heck of a lot of material oh here compared to Love Sexy. Yes, twice as much. Twice as much. Twice 18 tracks, 16 songs. 
a lot to get into. A lot to get into. This. So it was uh, the album was released in October of 1992. So we're talking about an album that came out more than 25 years ago, That's a quarter amazing. century ago. I remember driving to the record store to get this on uh, release day. Yeah. In college. Did you did you get this one on CD? Yep. At first it yes. was yeah, the we were beyond no more no more cassettes. cassettes. Yeah. No, we uh, I picked this up in actually the special edition, the gold Oh yeah, uh, it's pretty. package with the purple deboss symbol on the outside. That's uh, that was my first version of this, and now somehow we own like three copies of it. <laughs> yeah, we've got um, two that have the gold printed symbol on the front yeah, of the actual the, jewel case. On the jewel case. So this was coming off of Diamonds and Pearls the year before where uh, the album cover was a hologram. So there's probably a little bit of desire or pressure to do something you know, just as cool this time around. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's probably where that came from. Probably. It was rare to print anything on a jewel case ever yeah yeah because they were all generic things and if you know unfortunately if you have one and it cracked then like we have uh-huh we uh, do one of ours is cracked yeah you can't you can't really replace it quite as easily no. but boy this album was uh it was big and a very big testament to how much prince worked and recorded um when this album came out in october of 92 the diamonds and pearls tour supporting his previous album had ended just three months prior to this album being released, which That's is amazing. insane. He had a world tour, and three months after his world tour ended, and 12 months after the previous album was released, almost exactly, this giant album uh, came out. It's, it's basically a double album. And it's almost no vault material either, right? It was all new music. Yeah, it was mostly... That's pretty amazing. To, for the most part, all new music recorded uh, by either Prince and his band at the time, the current, the incarnation of the NPG. But uh, I went back and did some math, and just to compare it, I'm like, this is like 76 minutes. It's almost everything you could fit onto a CD. How does it compare to some of his other double albums that had been released prior so it's five minutes shorter than Sign of the Times wow. and four minutes longer than the double album 1999. That's amazing. Just crazy, but yet it doesn't count as a double album. Really? I didn't realize so, that it didn't count as a double album. I don't know why it doesn't, but it doesn't. And well, maybe uh, that had something to do contractually with what Prince was allowed to release. We, always, we know he was always clamoring to release more than Warner Brothers wanted to let him that's true. Release. So maybe he said, well, don't call it a double CD then. I'm just going to cram everything I can into this whole disc and create this thing. <laughs> How much fits on a CD and back it off just a little That's bit. That's right. An extra strength CD. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it did commercially pretty well. It reached number five on the Billboard 200. Pretty impressive considering that an album had just come out the year before. Yeah. So, But I guess that means there was also a lot of movement, motivation, People were still very interested, very invested. Yeah, kind of top of mind, maybe a little bit, too. Yeah. True, true. Awesome. So shall we dive right in? Let's get in with Uh, track one. My name is Prince. Thanks for telling us, Prince. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. This was a single... It was a single? It came out before the album. Yeah, sure Man, that's... It didn't do... Great. I mean, it wasn't awful. It was like number 36 on the top 100 in the U.S. Yeah, but, but it's got, got some radio play. Yeah, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. But um, 
man, this is a cool song. I know this is one of, going into this podcast with you, I knew this was going to be one of your favorite on the album because you, A, were singing it around the house and in the car (laughs) and out in the yard and on special occasions. (laughs) But uh, when I first heard this song, you know, you pick up the CD and the first song is My Name is Prince and I was like, do we need a reintroduction to this guy? What, What is this about? But... Uh, very fun kind of opening song to get the party started. This is, you know, there's a lot of party songs on this CD, I yes, think, too, despite the underlying confusing storyline that we'll get into also. But um, it's one of the first times on an album that Prince sampled himself. There's samples from I Want to Be Your Lover and Controversy at the beginning of the song. Yeah, which is pretty I unique. thought that was really fun. I didn't catch the controversy, maybe because I'm not quite as familiar mm-hmm. with the very beginning of his work yeah but i did catch the i want to be your lover and mm-hmm. found it very endearing and fun and yeah it's yep. great that he can reference himself he's got enough catalog out there we know he had enough catalog in the vault but he had enough catalog release to be really yeah he, could sam- he doesn't need to sample anybody else he can sample himself yes he liked to say his only competition was him in the past so his well, past self showed truth. up on this one. So, um, you know, he's got this very gravelly singing, shouting voice throughout the yes, song, which I think you kind of like a lot. and funny screams. <laughs> yeah, I like the stuff. It's, yeah. it's good. It's fun. Yeah, it's, you know, obviously very boastful uh, yes. on the surface, but a little humble in parts, too, with him, you know, saying, I don't want to be king. I've seen the top, and it's just a dream. I'm not better. I'm no better than you. That's right. This could definitely, despite it being 26 years old, could be sung today very easily. absolutely. I thought you said it was arrogant, and yes, it was, but I thought Mm -hmm. it was very funny that um, he could make God worry. Uh, yes. He busted a string and God was worried till he heard him sing. That's right. Everything's going to be okay. My yeah. little prince is going to be all right. <laughs> I can move on to creating other God, things now. You see, he's, he's so important. God's, he can worry God all-knowing. That's right. But he gave God a shout-out on track one, <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's saying yeah, something. Yeah, well, that's, that's Prince. Yeah. So definitely kind of a street cred song, especially with the rapping by Tony M towards the end, which I know yes. is where the song kind of loses you a little bit. Uh, uh, a little, little bit. bit, yeah. I mean, it's fine and fun to listen to, but if I'm going to listen to it on repeat, I usually get to the rapping part and start back over. Ah, there you go. So you don't skip, you just repeat. I just <laughs> repeat. <laughs> you know me. I, I like to listen to my songs over and over <laughs> until I know all the words. Yes, there and are a lot I, of words. There are a lot of Oh, this whole album, if you you know, if you were gonna like summarize the entire album in one word, it would be words. words. Because there's so many of them. <laughs> Fortunately the album came with uh, lyric sheets so you could follow along yeah, if, yeah. if it was hard for you to, to keep up. I always thought that it was really funny that an album named with this symbol that was unpronounceable would later become Prince's name, basically a year later, and the album opens with a song named My Name is Prince. So I could see how the confusion is just starting to build, you know, right here on the first track. Yeah, but I don't care, because the song's 
funky and fun and it was a lot and there was a parody my name is bart that's right a (laughs) sanctioned parody no less yes sanctioned in 1983 and then the album didn't come out until like 98 and prince said no yeah stop that stop (laughs) yeah stop that banging things had changed a little bit by then so yeah um yeah that's which you know whatever silly and funny and but it wasn't topical anymore yeah right all right. The very first single off of this album was Sexy Emma. Track number two. Man, talk about some a gutsy move. Yeah, he had sort of done the same thing with the previous album, kind of quietly releasing Get Off as this right. uh, sort of underground single to clubs, and it did so well it ended up getting put on the previous album, Diamonds and Pearls. I think this was sort of a move in the same direction to take you know an early stab at exploration a little bit hmm. to see what the market could bear i remember going and getting this single single a single yeah uh-huh. uh, Fun. and i had not heard the song i knew somehow i forget how i found out when it was coming out but i was there on release day to buy the single and the song's name is sexy mf and i'm thinking it's a single i just bought it uh, in a store, you know, I didn't, didn't get questioned or frisked on the way in or out. <laughs> what does MF really stand for? Was it, you know, multifunction? I didn't know what it might be. And no. No, no, no. no it is exactly the, what you think it is. It's, it's the MF that you think it is. Yeah, yeah. I have not heard the radio edit for the song, so mm-hmm. I will be interested to hear how he handled that because it was... Obviously not radio friendly, but was somehow the first single released. Yep. Pretty interesting. Uh, But it's kind of a great organic band live sound to the song, which I think is nice coming off of My Name is Prince, the first track. This one really starts to feel like it's a band effort. Yeah. With live drums and, and not a really electronic kind of sound. It's funny that he left the MF part of the chorus to someone else in the band, Sonny Thompson, who's the bass player. Oh, I didn't realize that. Sings that falsetto part, and his voice gets confused with Prince's on an NPG release that we'll get to someday, but a lot of people think that it's Prince singing that part, and it's not. He left the chorus to somebody else. Very interesting. Yep, yep. Hmm. And the interview later, he, he later proclaimed that the song was about monogamy. You read, you listen to it, and you're mm-hmm. like, well, this is just about... Well, Having the a, hots for a girl. Yeah, it's about love, not sex. He says that. He right does say there. it. Yeah. Yes. See, this ain't about sex. It's all about love being in charge of this life in the next. Yeah, and he calls out Tommy Barbarella. Tommy Barbarella in the house. That's right, Tommy yes. Barbarella. And uh, later in the 90s, he had his own band called Greasy Meal. And, man, they had three pretty funky, good albums. I don't know if they're available on iTunes, but, man, they were fun. If you get the chance to listen to those, they are great. Yeah, great albums, and Tommy's a cool guy. It was my first job out of college. I was working at a newspaper and just happened to send an email to Greasy Meals' web through Eat Greasy Meals' website asking them some question about how to get a hold of one of their releases. And, like, two weeks later, I got a package in the mail Signed by Tommy with sticker, Greasy Meal stickers, Uh and a couple of their first 
CD and then a remix version of the first CD that he so just cool. sent to me. Which yeah. I don't know if it was because I mentioned that I worked at a newspaper or Probably. what it was at the time that he yeah. saw it as an opportunity to. I you know, forgot get some that pub. that connection came through you working at the newspaper, which you yeah. were not a reporter. I was not a reporter, no, and I wasn't in a position to write anything. <laughs> no. But I did work at a newspaper. <laughs> yeah, but you did work at a newspaper. Yeah. Um, I did read that um, Dave Matthews Band and Bruno Mars like to cover this song on tours. Sexy MF? Yes. Uh, Bruno Mars doesn't surprise me. He can no. be a little bit maybe of a uh, bandwagoner. Uh, and he's very obviously pretty hev- heavily influenced by Prince. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy I enjoy Bruno Mars stuff, but that doesn't surprise me live that that would show up. Yeah. Dave Matthews Band maybe a little bit. I don't listen to Dave Matthews No, band, me so. neither. But... You know, I thought it was pretty cool. Those are there were some other people that I saw that mentioned that they will talk about them on tour, but they were nobody I had heard of, hmm. so um, didn't write their names down, so I don't have the information available. <laughs> but you know, if you've been to a, a concert where somebody has covered it, well, let us, yeah, know. let us know. And it's not that we don't like the band that you went and saw; we just don't know them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're we're preoccupied with you know forty years of Prince music to cover. <laughs> yes, exactly. uh, but yeah, the first tra- two tracks of this album set the tone pretty quick. That uh, first of all, this isn't a, an album for little kitties. No, and uh, second of all, it's definitely you know comes screaming out of the gate for a Prince album for yeah. these two tracks Man. to open. Yeah, the it's a good good way to start. Yep, and then we come to track three. Track three, Love to the Nines. Yeah. I think this is an awesome way to switch up the pace. Yes. After the first two loud, boisterous songs, we reach this one that... Uh-huh. Um, Lots of falsetto, yeah. but done super well. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that this song has some of the prettiest vocals Prince ever recorded. I think this time period is he was... He had many vocal peaks during his career. This album yes. is a great one that features you know everything from gravelly crazy screaming to uh beautiful falsetto falsetto yeah. voice you know layered on top of one another to create these great harmonies especially the last 40 seconds of this song as it starts to close and the instrument instruments are kind of stripped away and you're left with prince singing on top of his own voice over and over with finger snaps mm-hmm. and really pretty to listen to yeah i liked the there was like a tapping percussion sound Mm -hmm. yeah i thought that was really neat yeah it's unusual to hear that kind of uh percussion used especially so much in a song it's not just four hits of the drumsticks as you're getting started yeah I think a lot of that had to do with uh, Michael ba- Michael Bland was his drummer at the time, and there he does a lot of live drumming on this album, which um, is a change of pace for a Prince album. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. It was yeah. definitely an earworm. Yeah, you, you I, found yourself. I found singing myself it a singing bit. it later. Mm-hmm. But some of the lyrics, uh, he talks about forever for all time, a river that never runs dry. Mm-hmm. the love and then he kind of like immediately after that talks about how he might leave because she did something wrong yeah or you she know, wasn't she played she the was wrong like card a, she was like at a seven or an eight and not all the way up to the nine. Oh, so that's okay. when it's you know okay mm-hmm. i had i don't think i'd realize that and then uh 
14 hours of listening to the MPG play. That's right. Easy. A- Stay awake for 14 hours. Listen to the band. Play new power soul. Not a bad deal. Not not a bad deal. 14 hours of listening to the grass grow is mm-hmm. a bit more challenging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay awake for 14 hours. Listen to the grass grow. I asked the- All right. Let's move on to the morning papers. Oh, another kind of slow song. So we're yeah. hit all, uh, you know, out of the gates with this album with My Name is Prince and Sexy MF. It's a dance party. Love to the Nines is kind of this sweet, I want to experience love, uh, to its maximum force kind of song and then here's the song the morning papers that's clearly about prince's love for maite at the time right who's young underage you might say sort of admittedly sort of strange lyrics but i thought a nice little song and a fun single mm-hmm. um i know you kind of questioned the lyrical content of this one uh, a little a, bit just because bit. of the i was you, trying to understand whether well who the man was the man who writes about it in the morning paper i was trying to figure out if that was uh, a dig at the press were they too invasive or if it was just people judging them because of the pretty hefty age difference yeah i would say the latter that it was more a i don't care what anyone thinks and love doesn't uh isn't affected by an age difference at all that type of statement Mm-hmm. And I think this there were several songs on this album that I noticed this that there was a lot of uh, talk about youth and virginity. He realized that she was new to love, naive in every way. It's almost a little obsessive about it. Definitely, virginity was a focal point of this yeah. album and the kind of loose storyline that carries throughout this album. And I think that again, comes from his inspiration for a lot of this album is this virgin girl that he's uh-huh. met right. and practically adopts with her parents' permission Mission, yeah. in real life yeah. until she's of age. Right. So it's a bit of a sweet story, however, for someone who's you know as mature and experienced as Prince at the time Ooh, to be squeaky. focused on uh, this woman that would later become the love of his life. Um, and it was all in the up and up. If you yes. read Maite's book, Yes. Um, that came out about a year ago. There's some sweet stories in there about their relationship. Yes, and, and uh, how kind he was and yeah. uh, respectful. At least at the beginning. At the beginning. Yeah. Yes. When she was a young virginal woman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very, very protective and very respectful. Um, but I can certainly see how. A little it, squeaky it pushes, in the lyrics. Pushes the envelope a little bit. I thought this was sort of like the Diamonds and Pearls off of this album. If you listen mm-hmm. to the previous album, yeah. Diamonds and Pearls as the title track was kind of this powerful ballad. And this is kind of aspiring to be there. But because the lyrics take a little bit of a left turn, yeah, maybe that falls a little flat for you. Um, I love the sing-along at the end, the la-la-las. I think yeah. are a lot of fun and yeah. um, some great guitar work that's kind of buried in the mix throughout this album, but especially on, on this song towards the end as well. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. You the can, max. You can relax now. I can relax. The max is in the control. Max. And Max is in control. So there's always some good stuff that's going to come out of a song like this, oh, which is uh, in the same... Primal Scream. Yeah, yes. Primal Scream and him giving himself a pep talk, I think, is a little bit like uh, 
like Cream from the previous album, too. Yep. It is a prince looking himself in the mirror and writing a song to tell himself how awesome he is and a little bit of a pep talk that nothing's going to hold him down. Um, this is definitely one of those one of those songs. I'm going to yeah. defy the odds and show people what I can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good. There's a lot of rapping. It was very danceable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had some of those Egyptian sounds that we hear in some of the later songs. especially yeah, uh, definitely, very yeah. Middle Eastern yeah. sort of sounding. And I know that was Maite's influence yeah. with her belly dancing. and Yep, you know. for sure. To the chagrin of some of the band members at the time, I remember reading interviews with them telling they didn't you know, like them it. saying, you know, you don't need all this in the song. It's, you know, let's do some stripped down stuff. But he had been there before with the yeah. previous album and throughout his career with songs like When Doves Cry that's yeah. pretty minimalistic. And so this was very much about... I've got a 24-track machine here, and we're going to fill the whole thing up and make it work. Well, you know, who's the artistic genius in the room? Maybe let's listen to him. Sure, sure. (laughs) He can do what he wants. Um, Uh, Some fun things about this song is this isn't not a vault track, so to speak, but it does use a lead line from a song called Raven to the Joy Fantastic, which would see the light of day seven years later. Uh, as the title track from his 1999 album, there's a musical part to this song that is lifted straight from that track that's, oh, that's always cool. been fun for me to mm-hmm. revisit. That's fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an Easter egg for fans. Yeah, an unintentional Easter egg, I think. It's, yeah. it's sort of like vanished into Prince Lore, the song, yet it resurfaced here. So if you right. were familiar with uncirculating songs at the time, then your ears immediately snapped to that because it was not hidden at yeah. all. It was there in plain sight. Really? Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I think this song stuck around in Prince's mind for a long time during his final tour, Piano and a Microphone. He played this a lot, solo oh, on really? stage with a piano. Oh, I bet that was amazing. This track starts off with just a piano to begin with. Yeah. Anyway, so and the piano line's really powerful, and it was really fun to listen to stripped down so much. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. All right, blue light. Oh no, let's talk about the segue first. There's a segue in there. That's a weird. It's weird. Well, Christy Alley is Vanessa Bartholomew. Hello, Prince. Yes, this is Vanessa Bartholomew, a reporter who's. <sighs> Chasing Prince throughout this It record. didn't make a lot of sense, and mm-hmm. I understand that there's a, there were a, a number of them in the original assembly of this album right. that he included a different... What song was it that he included? Uh, a couple tracks from now, I Want to Melt With You was okay. one of the last tracks recorded for the album. And right. Because of him wanting to include it on the album... Some of the segues had to be removed and... Yeah, made made them not make nearly as much sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're more more fun to me. You know, it's it's funny listening to this woman get hung up on the phone by Prince when she says, I hope you don't mind, I'm recording a conversation. Click. Yeah. Um, So it's a very loose storyline of uh, kind of a fictionalized version of Prince and Maite. Maite being this Egyptian princess. Right. Her father's murdered by mysterious figures and... They're trying to uh, fulfill their destiny to yeah. be together, mm-hmm. essentially, despite mm-hmm. very strange and fictional odds. <laughs> strange and fictional odds. It wasn't okay. hard enough to yeah. love Prince. There had to be a fantasy around it, too. Uh, okay. Yep. Blue Light. Blue Light. Let's move on to that. This was an unreleased single, and I think that is an absolute shame. 
Yeah, I don't know why they had planned to make this a single and then it, the plans to release it were scrapped. Yeah, well, my um, understanding was like that they had a lot of it printed already and they scrapped it, which is a shame because this is a great song, fun reggae beat. Mm-hmm. You know, sounded like UB40 was sort of um, getting started at the time. And, yeah, really does. You know, now they're <laughs> now we don't really hear much from them. But I thought this was it was great. Yeah, I it's remember. Such a fun song. I remember hearing this for the first time. You know, listening to the CD and thinking, "Man, this sounds like Get Off from Diamonds and Pearls." It has the same drum sounds, just slow down a little bit with uh-huh. the saxophone added and the reggae flavor that you mentioned before. And when I started doing a little research uh, for our talk today, turns out there's a good reason I thought that, that it was recorded just two days after Get Off was recorded really? in May of 1991. Oh, that's cool. So Get Off was the last song recorded for Diamonds and Pearls, and then a couple of days later, Blue Light became the first song recorded for this album. So it was wow. from the same sessions, same right. re- recording sessions, so it's a lot of fun to go listen to those two songs back to back, and you'll see the... The relation is kind of more of an exploration on a theme. That's really cool. I mean, I, I, does it make you wonder how he decided, okay, well, Get Off's going to go on Diamonds and Pearls and Blue Light's not? Yeah. You got me. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, we'll never know. We just no, know we that, won't, uh, but it, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. But this is playful lyrics and yeah, yeah it's still kind of... I guess you call it family friendly at this point. Maybe a little <laughs> well, bit thinly yeah. veiled sexuality yeah. throughout the whole. It wouldn't thing. be the raciest song we'd let our children listen to. No, that's Maybe true. Maybe not the raciest one that you've taught them the words to. That's true. But um, I thought it was really fun. Double heart attack. Both died in a fight. That's right. Double heart attack. Couple both died in a fight. That was fun. Uh, in the car was you know, cliche. He mm-hmm. wants to do it in the car and she doesn't want to. It's kind of cliche, but really relatable. A little, or and him saying he'll be 117 and still be sexually attracted to her. Uh-huh, and she'll which be is saying, no yeah, thanks, not honey. To, not tonight. That's right. Prince, you're all wrinkly. Get off me. I'll be 117. You'll be still saying, baby, not so do you know if a uh, blue light is a euphemism for something? I'm sure Urban Dictionary would probably have. I mean, uh-huh, what two no. words could you put together that aren't aren't in Urban Dictionary that well, you'd be surprised mean something? Well, but, I no. put it in Urban Dictionary. Yeah? And came up it, empty? Well, it didn't come up empty, but it was uh, like seeing the blue light of the police in your rearview mirror. Yeah. Not anything to do with sex. Because it doesn't seem like an unreasonable request to me. So I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. if it was like backdoor stuff that, you know, I could see why that might, you know, get a no. But no, I don't think so. I think it was more, um, you know, not not quite completely in the dark. You okay. want to see something, something. and yeah. a blue light is, you it's, know, yeah, just forgiving. Very it's forgiving. a forgiving light. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Make your wrinkles smooth out a little bit. Mm-hmm. As long as it's a blue light and not a black light, that's probably. Oh, that's good. true. No, that's what you need to find out what happened Ooh, in the blue yeah, light no. before. Uh uh-uh, la 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 la. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, I want to melt with you. More rapping. A little, not really, on this oh, there song. Was, I think there was some. You call it rapping? Well, there's some there's... fast talking. 
Yeah. I guess you could call it rapping, but it's all Prince. Every instrument, every yeah. lyric. Really? Uh, wrote awesome. it all himself. So this is completely solo performance by Prince, which is always amazing to, to listen to. This yeah. is a good song. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, we mentioned before that this was one of the was the last song recorded for this album to make room for it. A lot of the segues mm-hmm. that we talked about were done away with, so the storyline for this album is made a little bit more confusing because of its inclusion. But I think that's um, well worth it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Get rid of the segues and give me "I Want to Melt with You" because yeah. this is by far a vast improvement. For sure. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, it was really good. originally going to be a B-side to Seven, which oh, I thought okay. was cool. I did not know oh, that when I started doing neat. a little bit of research. Um, but Prince liked the song enough that he decided to include it on the proper album and not relegate it to a B-side. Oh, good for him, because mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So clearly a song about Maite again, you know, yes. the virgin we'll references. and groove <laughs> to the earth moves. Yes, and the virgin references. I liked that the there was like imagery and metaphorical talk and mixed with some pretty explicit lyrics. Not foul language, just Mm -hmm. explicit language. Right. And yeah, like I'm going to allude to it and then I'm just going to absolutely tell you. <laughs> yes. It was good. It I'll was be fun. a tease and then I'll be completely upfront. That's a lot of what this album is about, too. Yeah. And then uh, the dog mimicking. It reminded me of Atomic Dog by Atomic George dog. Clinton. Yeah. Same. I believe it's really the same sound effects from really? uh, Sign of the Times B side called uh-huh. La 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 He He He. Yeah. Where there's some some dog references there too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just like a dog. <laughs> just like a dog. He mm-hmm. likes to reference dogs and cats. Yes, animals all over the place. Mm-hmm. But definitely a fun, upbeat track. I I, I come back to this uh, song a lot. And listen to it to this day quite a bit. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. All right, sweet baby. Another unreleased single. Right. Um, This one really makes me want to go back and listen to Prince's first two albums. To me, it has a lot of 1970s soul or 1970s ballad vibe to it. And sweet lyrics, too. I think this is one of probably the sweetest songs on the album. It's a very, well, sweet baby. Yeah. They're very relatable because who hasn't had their heart broken? Right, and here we have Prince trying to console a woman whose boyfriend or husband or man has betrayed her trust mm-hmm. and him trying to build her back, back up, up again. Yeah, yeah, he's a fool. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This guy's yeah. a fool. I thought maybe it was like the rest in a very funky set of tracks. Mm-hmm. It was a, a moment to just kind of take a breath and have a ballad and, you know, before you want to get up and dance again. Right. Uh, that said, I found it a bit boring uh-huh i did not like this song didn't like the song it f- sounded very 1970s easy listening music to me okay so well, it definitely has a 70s vibe to it for me i just yeah thought, and maybe uh, that's why i don't care for it because the i didn't i don't particularly care for those types of songs yeah well it's clearly from uh prince's you know growing up this is yeah. he's made it clear this is the type of music he listened to a lot you know music right. of soul but i can see why um especially after the first wherever we are now eight or nine tracks in this mm-hmm. album you're you're kind of blindsided by oh the sweet little ballad out of nowhere how nice 
I'm kind of interested in the dirty stuff. Let's get back yeah, to it. Yeah, yes, <laughs> which brings us to the Continental. Oh, yeah. That's some dirty stuff. Back to the bedroom. Back to um, the bedroom. Yeah, so this is, uh, I know you had mentioned to me in passing while we were um, reviewing or going back to listen to this album that um, you're much more into the side one than side two, if you think about it from a cassette or album listening right? Uh, kind of thing. So this is the opener for side two. Um, and I think it makes it clear that this album is going to be all over the place. Yes, for sure. Yeah, another uh, kind of pep talky, boastful song from Prince that he can do it all. Um, you've got yep. Carmen Electra making a spoken word appearance on this song. I want you to imagine you're making angels, angels in the snow. She sounds an awful lot like Maite to yes. me on the track too, which is also a little weird to me that this yeah, that would make it on here because she was his love interest. Maite came along. Some of his work with Carmen Electra still made it onto this album, and she had an album of her own. Right. After well, this, and maybe that's on his record. Maybe that's label. why. Maybe it was giving, mm-hmm. hopefully, trying to give a little bit of that a chance mm-hmm. by virtue of. Well, he invested some time yeah. in it anyway. This song had a lot of shelf life for Prince, too. It was remixed into a song called Tell Me How You Want to Be Done that showed up on Crystal Ball a number yeah. of years later, which is basically kind of a bridge remix of this entire yeah. song. Definitely not Kirk a new song. Johnson did that. Kirky J. J. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you could definitely see that he had, like, a lyrically, he had a desire for commitment she wants he wants her to marry his ass. Yep. He wants all her germs. That's right, I want all your germs. Which I thought was really like <laughs> right. funny and romantic in a gross sort of way. Yeah, not the kind of thing I mean it's sort of out of left field on a Prince album for you to hear him say, I want all your germs. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna kiss you everywhere. Yep, newsflash Prince is not a germaphobe if, yeah. if you're hot. Yeah, if if, not, if you're not, hot. Yeah. If you're young and a virgin. Then yeah. he wants them at the appropriate time. <laughs> True, yes. I liked that there was a call out to Alphabet Street on this uh, mm. song. The ABCs? He's, yeah, he says, he. do you want me to write the alphabet or just my name? Uh-huh. Shall I write the alphabet, please? Or shall I just write my name? Which, he's very invested in a woman's pleasure, which, very sweet. And again, our feminist friend showing his... Showing his face in an otherwise potentially squicky set of lyrics on this album where yeah. he's so obsessed with virginity and youth. And but mm-hmm. because we've talked about that, we know why doesn't make it any less borderline creepy, but he yeah. is very invested in a woman's pleasure, very, yes, for sure. Yes, yeah. and um, the lyrics was it was that carmen electra who does the whole that's how i want to be done yes. set okay yeah. i was just making sure that i had that correct um they're pornographic but they never feel like exploitation we talked about this mm-hmm. um love, love sexy, sexy especially yeah. with the tour there's a lot of putting women in the spotlight i think yeah you know so obviously he's attracted to these women too and sings right. about their beauty a lot but then lets them take center stage yeah. and have you know a show of power also mm-hmm. um which is certainly refreshing on an album that's you know tiptoes a line between funk and r&b and rap yes for sure mm-hmm. all right damn you damn you <laughs> uh the fourth single but released 
on the same day as seven. Right. It which only probably got, damned it. Yeah, probably. And it only got a release in the U.S. Right. There's a lot of playing around with, you know, what's going to play to certain markets. This right. is where he was a global artist at this point, too. So I think and this album was big enough to have the freedom to play with those things. Let's play, try different singles in different markets and, and see what works. Yeah. So that, that could be part of it. But this is another ballad. Um, and I think another example of some pretty incredible vocal performances by Prince where he right. effortlessly moves from this deep baritone to this super high falsetto. Yeah. And never misses a beat and you know, he doesn't sound he doesn't sound exhausted doing this. It doesn't yeah. sound bored, but it's pretty effortless for him yes. to, to reach yes. these highs and lows. So it's definitely he's a showcase. He's not trying of, very hard and he doesn't he makes, have to try very right. hard. Right. It makes he makes the, a difficult thing look easy, which is kind of a hallmark. Right. And his range is just incredible. Right. Um, but I thought this was sort of a, a track that blazed the trail for future songs like I Hate You where Prince proclaims his he proclaims beauty by expressing disbelief because right. of it all. It's it's too incredible to be true. So, damn you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this one wasn't super exciting to me. I it just it sounded very lounge singery. Even when I can appreciate how he moves from the high to the low, has incredible vocal range. Mm-hmm. It didn't really do anything for me. It sounded dated, even without rapping on it, which is a lot of what dates many of these songs. Was the MC Hammer style rapping? Right. Uh, we don't have that here, but I still feel like it was. Pretty dated. Yeah, I think loungy is a pretty good assessment. I've seen people who praise this song saying, look how he can hold back and um, refrain from jumping through all these hoops that you've listened to through 60% of the yeah. album at this point. That, um, you know, a simple, very withheld uh, ballad track is kind of an impressive thing to stumble upon this far yeah. into this to, into this album. But yeah, I don't think it loungy is a very it's not unfair to call it that. Yeah, so, well, okay. I yeah. appreciate your approval. Yeah, well, I'm just saying it's not unfair. <laughs> I don't approve. Oh, it's not unfair. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we have come to a difference of opinion, but that's okay. So tell me about arrogance. Uh, Arrogance, the next track. Wow, in a twist, here's a song about being humble. (laughs) Um, You know, this to me is kind of more of like a musical segue. It's a pretty short little song. It is Um, short. Very, very quick, but to your critique earlier, lots and lots of words. There's a lot of stuff shoved into this song Uh um, between Prince and a Tony M rap later on. You know, lyrics like... It's a song about knowing one's place and a boastful way of being humble is sort of my uh, my brag. assessment. Yes, yes. Uh, Bragbull. No, humble brag's a humble thing. Brag? Okay. Humble brag? Humble brag's a thing. All right. Well, yeah. I didn't get to that on Urban Dictionary. I'm still looking at blue light. Yeah, well, I was trying to figure out what a pimp rag was on Urban Dictionary, oh, yeah. and it came up with nothing. Yeah, Yet was... again, I was... Let down by Urban Dictionary, but and it was not until I saw a picture mm-hmm. of Prince with the caption of "Pimp Rag Tootsie Pop in a Cane," which is a line from this song. Pimp rag. 
That I realized it's his headband. Yeah, it's like a, his do rag like kerchief, a typhoon yeah. do rag. Yeah. yeah, which is awesome. He looks fantastic in it. But yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice of what to call it. I don't know if that's like an urban like normal sort of thing but it wasn't on urban dictionary so i thought it would have been something that would show up yeah but it did not yeah i mean it's a pimped out album and we'll look at the music videos uh in Mm -hmm. our next episode so you'll see some pimptastic bmw cars and blue and yellow vehicles and like from uh pimp my ride in the early 90s (laughs) on mtv yeah like that like that I think this again. That's it's this was more right of a segue than a song to me. So yeah, I agree. Um, that was my assessment of it. I remember being in college listening to this and thinking, "What in the name of God is going on in this song?" <laughs> I don't know, but it's short, so we can move on. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Yeah. Let's move on to the flow. The flow. So we've got uh, Prince kind of looking for more street cred here. I think with a rap performance by both him and Tony M. But I think this is a lot more successful and still listenable today than the previous track agreed i'd call it um some mild success you know once the chorus kicks in i really enjoy listening to it and um you know the raps and tony m's ultra fast rap just kind of badly date the track yeah yeah it does but it didn't bother me. Yeah. No, I'm not it saying it bothers pretty, me. I just pretty listen fun to, to listen like, this to. is the epitome of early 90s, yeah. you know, kind of hip-hop rap kind of. Um, but we've got these great horn lines in it. I can oh, even just, man, the my horn own, work is amazing. Yeah, I mean, as fast as Tony M is rapping, you've got... Well, horn work and horn players in this that are moving faster than him. Do you probably, know who the is, horn players were? Was that Eric uh, Leeds still? No, these were trumpets in the song. I'll have to look up who the players were. Oh, Don't that's all right. Me on this right I, now. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I just didn't know yeah. if uh, if you knew off the top of your head. Yeah, Trum- you know, trombone. Michael B. Nelson played a lot on this album. Okay, um, and he's still present and around and telling some stories about this on, on oh, different forums and cool. groups, which is which is pretty neat. Um, there's a tenor saxophone also and a trumpet on on the song. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, thank you. I didn't know if uh, who who nope. blessed us with that amazing horn work because not, it's not pretty, Eric. Eric Leeds' only contribution to the album was the sax on on Blue Light. Oh well, mm-hmm. that was well done too. So yeah. I won't complain. This was originally the last track on Diamonds and Pearls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very different version of the song. I'll have to play it for you sometime. It's, okay. It's a song with the same name. I guess you could say it evolved into this song. I oh. think if you heard them back to back, you'd probably be one to say, oh, these songs have the same name, but that's not the same that's, song. Yeah. Yeah. The same name is where their similarity almost ends. Yeah, pretty yeah. much so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the most successful single from the album, the the song that still gets some radio airplay, Seven. Yeah, this is um, really one of his last... Prince's last top 40 hits. Yeah. Um, outside after this, I think the next one was The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, yeah. which wasn't even technically a Prince song if you want to abide by the name change. Right. I just, I don't think there's ever been a catchier song than Seven on the radio with lyrics that so few people understood. They don't make a lot of sense, but no. they're pretty great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but the, I think the song really saved this album commercially. commercially yeah, I agree. How big Diamonds and Pearls was from 
the previous year there were a handful of um, top 40, top 20 hits on that song, on that album. Uh, Seven kind of came along out of nowhere, and I was really surprised that this found a home on the radio really? and got the amount of play that it did, oh, but I just, man. I guess I underestimated how catchy and how yeah. sing-alongable it would really become. Yeah, despite it being sort of cryptic. Very, very cryptic, um, you know, sort of, again, going back to this uh, fictional tale of Prince right. and Maite. And right, this was a deep cut in Prince's brain. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but I thought he really shined in the acapella at the beginning. Mm-hmm. All seven and we'll watch them fall. It was great. It's, you know, it had, even though the story you couldn't really, it was difficult to follow, especially without some sort of context. Right. The faded love is very sweet. And, you know, there's a lot of biblical imagery and Middle Eastern imagery. You know, he talks about the sand. And we lay down on the sand of the sea. Plagues and rivers of blood. And then he takes a decidedly non-biblical turn with 12 souls from now will still be in love, like will be reincarnated and find one another again and again and again. Right. You know, that's decidedly not biblical. 12 souls from now, you may still be But still also very sweet. Very yep. romantic to think about how, how much they love one another, that their love will cross space and time, literally, yes. so that they can find one another and relive. Again and again. Yeah, they can relive their love story over and over again. And yeah. The number of souls that Prince has or had lived is, you know, touched on a couple of times in this album. Yeah. And, and one of the segues, he tells Kirstie Alley that he's into his fifth soul, so that makes him three hundred and twenty. Right. Yeah. So he's got seven more to go to go, and he and Maite will still be singing seven uh-huh. together. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like you said, lots of biblical references in this song. Right. With streets of gold. There will be a new city with the streets of gold. And you know we've got children in the mix too, yeah. which is you know very sweet. Yeah. Um, and very innocent. I really liked the education as the fountain of youth. Young, so educated, they never grow old. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting thought and concept and sort of almost yeah. sci-fi. A little bit, a little bit of, of higher thinking. Yeah. Um, this was sort of a, you know, a young maturation of Prince, I guess you could say, yeah. with this exploration of different ideas that yeah. not everything is about being in uptown and wearing the kind of clothes you want, just having a good time. Here we're, you know, a little bit of an older prince and a little bit more reflective and forward thinking mm. at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who are the seven that are trying to or have killed the princess's father? Yeah. Do, uh, do a, lot, a lot of people are wanting to know the answer to this. But oh. we'll, we're going to watch the Three Chains of Gold video yeah. collection. We uh, bought for... a VHS player at Goodwill. Shout out to Goodwill <laughs> for having VHS players available. Oh, yeah. So we've got a VHS. I've had a VHS copy of this thing for decades. I have not watched it in probably 20 years. So uh, we're going to check it out and make, make sure it still works. And uh, it'll be part of our next podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did read that some one theory that the seven were the seven deadly sins. So that could maybe make sense. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try, but 
I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how that yeah, compares. I think it's on many levels. You know, seven is a holy number also, so that's part yeah. of it. Well, biblical, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was also, we'll have to read it again, there is a comic book that kind of tells the story of the song, That's correct? right. I had forgotten about the comic book. You got that comic book I for me. I did. I found it back when comic book stores were like... Or they were kind of well. They had moved yeah. on from being just about superheroes yeah. into all you know. Neil Gaiman uh-huh. started writing the Sandman comics, and right. that I think really just like blew it wide open. That there was and there was the Crow and mm-hmm. lots of different non superhero kind of comics, and this kind of came. At that time. You're right. I think, um, you know, this video collection, the loose storyline on the album, the comic book, there were all these different ways that Prince was trying well, to express, you know, the, the the thinking or the concept behind this album. None of it really came together, you know, in, in pop culture anyway. Um, no. but, it's, but it's out there. I have not read that comic book in forever, so I that'll, that'll have to be part of Maybe since I first got on. it for you. Yep. Yeah. All right, and God Created Woman, another biblical sort of imagery song. Yeah, for sure. The um, you know the his faith, Prince's faith, has been part of his music from the beginning. But I think maybe not quite so upfront and explicitly part of music right. until this album. You know, Love Sexy that we listened to um, the last two podcasts was sort of more of an overarching theme, but here we get right. into real specifics and getting deep into um, the biblical texts. On this track, you know, another ballad, and, you know, you think to yourself, is Prince done praising women or the female figure on this album? Have we had enough of this yet? And the answer is no. No, not no. yet. You know, here we've got lyrics that are drawn from the story of creation. Right. And even Prince almost singing from the standpoint of Adam. Yeah through most of the song well and that was like it was sweet again it was kind of faded love she's created from his rib yeah. how much more faded can you yeah specifically be? for him right i think is yeah the overall she's his there. perfect match i felt like it was another one for the easy listening station mm. i don't think that this one has aged as well for me feels very heteronormative which is fine but He'd been coming from a place of really like pushing gender roles mm-hmm. for so long that I, w- I wonder if it alienated some oh. of his fans. Yeah, and at the same time, we go back to what we just talked about that this is someone who's created just for him flesh right. of his flesh, soul of his soul. True, yes. Um, and maybe this is me bringing late 20 teens to something from the early 90s. Right. Yeah, you know, we've been talking with our son about how different it was for people of non conforming gender mm-hmm. back then and how it was, you know, dangerous. Yeah, for, for sure. Some people. But, you know, going back to the early 80s, Prince yeah. had included um, yeah. homosexuality, not just in his music, but as part of his band, and was right. fairly open about it. I, I don't think that, um, you know, you could... It wasn't a dig. No, it not... Wasn't, it no. was just him talking about himself, not making a statement. Right. Definitely not about homophobia at no. all. I think this is just a simple lyrical interpretation of the story of creation and Prince turning it into the story of the love of his life entering his world. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Three chains of gold. 
Oh my goodness. Man, there is a lot going on in this song. Yeah, there is. I, I think of this as, uh, this is Prince's Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, Agreed. So many tempo, cha- tempo changes and the song is just like a beautiful mess. Yeah. It was you know, super interesting. The tempo changes were... They keep it, you it on was, your toes. Yeah, it was it was very it was a fun listen. Yeah, I think with a album like this that's got a name that you can pronounce, this is the title track of the album Agreed. to me. If it wasn't called the symbol, I think it would be called Three Chains of Gold, and this would be the title track. You know, I, I, it's sort of like the storyline of the album sort of culminates in the song, and this is explains the concept more than any other song outright, with it still being kind yeah. of veiled and a a little confusing you've got the love symbol being three different pieces of a necklace that has to be found and put together for you know peace to be restored to the universe essentially Mm -hmm. it's like prince meeting indiana jones yeah that's an excellent way to put it (laughs) but if you're looking for electric guitar work on this album and trying to find a place where it's really highlighted this is this is where you need to go absolutely righteous man I didn't think it was quite as successful as Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. though the story maybe was a little more coherent than Bohemian I mean, Rhapsody. Well, the first part of Bohemian Rhapsody is really a very linear sort of story, and then you go into the Scaramouche and right, right, all that. You know, Prince is a little silhouette of a man. <laughs> He's a little silhouette <laughs> of a man. Yes, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, it's a great kind of rock soap opera kind right. of song. That's, yes. that's what we've got here. For sure. Yeah. And then we have another segue, and that's still weird. Yeah, it is. It's, it's still weird. We're just, we don't, that's all that and needs to be said. For someone like me, who I could sit down and tell you, you know, growing up in the CD age, essentially, yeah. I knew what track number each song was for yeah. every Prince album. I constantly found myself forgetting that Three Chains of Gold was not the last song on this album. <laughs> really? The Sacrifice was of the Victor. Was the Sacrifice of Victor yes. forgettable? No, it's not oh. at all forgettable. No, but I it didn't just seems so. like, ah, oh, this. now I've had my eyes open to what I am going to have explained to me about the concept in this album. And then there's this track at the end um, that's overcoming a tough upbringing for Prince, sort of this autobi- semi-autobiographical yeah. funk song. One of the funkiest songs on the whole album um, behind, Agreed. maybe behind the first two opening tracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. So it's this- very danceable beat. I liked the themes and overall that they talked about that it was about desegregation and sacrifice brings joy. And- right. You know, sometimes you sacrifice a small victory for a bigger one later. Yeah, yeah. Battles versus wars, that kind of thing. This song led a lot of people at the time to decide that the symbol that Prince would later adopt for his album was to be called Victor. Because of this album, he ends the song saying, my name Mm -hmm. will be Victor. Victor. Uh-huh. But it's not about the He's name Victor. Victor with a capital V. It's overcoming odds and becoming the, the Victor. Victor. Yes. yes. Yeah, we're missing the yeah, pronoun Yeah, he didn't here. want to be called Victor. No, and he said as much. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. Right. I, but I, you have to hand it to the fans who tried to find the letters for Victor in the symbol. Right. 
<laughs> that's some that's some deep thinking yes. there, and some really reaching and trying. And yeah, that's I ap- I applaud their efforts to yeah. decode something, right? This even if it did venture into conspiracy theory land. Very much so. But this was sort of the beginning of a, one of the most mysterious, misunderstoodish kind of period in, in his life, yes. where he disappeared, dropped the name Prince, was taking on this new identity that he felt God was calling him to do, kind of a Muhammad Ali sort of story. Right. So I think, you know, trying to, we were left trying to make an explanation for it and trying to put pieces together. Because he wasn't around to give an explanation. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but a great ending to this album, I think. You know, you think of a lot Agreed. of Prince's albums had uh, this kind of rock ballad ending, and this um, did not. You know, he ended no. with this kind of upbeat, funky, funky song yeah. with a very serious... Uh, message. message. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. So now it is time for us to pick the things that we force ourselves to pick. We give ourselves some rules. 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 Damn you, rules. <laughs> so we'll talk about our C's first. No, we talk about our time capsule. the time capsule first. I want to breaking capsule. rules. Yeah. I will, I will be here to enforce the rules in as much as I am able. Okay. Uh, the time capsule, I really thought the max was mm. my time capsule for this with the MC Hammer style wraps, the kind of leftover 80s synthesizer sounds. Uh-huh. Then there was the real heavy drum beats that really hearkened to the grunge that was just starting to become popular in the early 90s. Yeah, those were some loud drums in that song. Yeah. So the Max kind of encapsulate the I thought, era. I thought so. the era for you. Yeah. How about you? I have to go with the song Seven. Just really? for me, it was, you know, that it was the kind of the face of the album. Not only was the album cover right. still from the video for Seven, which to me is amazing. They had the video shot before the album came out, oh, yeah. which says a lot. So... You know, it being the album's highest charting single and a song that you can still hear on the radio today kind of just encapsulates this album for me. And, you know, and if the song Three Chains of Gold wasn't on the album, then to me, the title track would have been seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I can't argue with that. All right. My C, it was hard to choose between this and Damn You. Oh, no. But it was Sweet Baby. I this just, woman does not like her soul ballads. I, I really don't. Like, I want a, a little more of a drum beat or, you know, the screaming soul ballad. I don't know. <laughs> more hair bandish for my ballads, maybe. It was too sweet for you? Oh, it was a little boring for me. Well, okay. <laughs> for but, me, the C on this album wasn't a song, so screw, oh. the, screw the rules. Hey. It's a situation for me that's the C. Well, I guess you can break the rules because you're the best. So for me, after Diamonds and Pearls, the previous album with Rosie Gaines leaving the band at that point, she was such a great vocalist, um, a great member of the band, and she left after one album. So I really felt like her voice was missing so much on this album and could have added a lot to it. Yeah. And there's not a real competent female voice on right. this album and I think it suffers a bit for it. Yeah. It does sound like an album put together by by men. men. Yeah. Um and I think that's that um, definitely that's I rare for a print CD too because there's a lot of gender bending in his songs and a lot of inclusion 
and right. let's celebrate our differences and come together and celebrate our similarities and come together. And there's not a lot of that on this album. Mm. And to me, that was sort of the, I don't know, the missing common thread among Prince albums for me was, yeah. was that. I can really appreciate that. Um, I think I prefer men's voices. So a male put together album doesn't bother me as much, but I can certainly appreciate how much Rosie Gaines brought to the table. Right. Rosie was the one who duetted with Prince on the single Diamonds and Pearls. Right. If you can picture that in your head, that's who she is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Mountain. Man, it was hard to choose a mountain too because... There are a lot of really good songs on this. Going into it, I really thought my mountain was going to be seven because mm. I really enjoyed that song uh-huh. a lot, even though it's kind of a mess. And But it's fun. It's very singable. It's still popular. Yeah, very catchy. Um, that and Blue Light was my sleeper mm-hmm. that really... It'd sneak up on it you. It would sneak up on me, and I'd find myself singing it. Love to the Nines as well. Mm-hmm. I would catch myself singing, but I found myself really falling in love with Blue Light and its its sweetness and its humor. Both mm-hmm. really spoke to me. But my mountain, my name is Prince, or at least the first two thirds of my name is Prince. <laughs> That's what you loved That's, the most about the that CD. I really this album. did. I really did because it was fun. It was sort of rapping, but it was that gravelly voice, which I yeah. too appreciate. And it's fun to sing along to. It's fun to sing in the car. It's a good driving song. Yeah. So the fun track on this CD the kind of fu- overcame yeah, it everything really, for it you. Just, it just spoke to me. Yeah. And I enjoyed it quite a lot. So right. to me, that's. That's my mountain. I'm going to choose the song that speaks to me the most. Sure. That's what the mountain's so, there for. That's right. What's the peak? For How me, um, I'm taking Love to the Nines for 1,000, Alex. Especially yeah. the final 60 seconds of Love to the Nines. It reaches this beautiful crescendo. There's a baby grand piano that kicks in out of nowhere, and Prince hitting some of the highest notes that I can think of and the prettiest harmonies with himself on any of his records and like i said before he sounds completely unchallenged doing it this none of this was a reach you're not like oh he just barely made it there this was like prince on a tuesday to me (laughs) yeah that's amazing um i think the very end of the song with his vocals layered layered on top of one another and the finger snaps that kind of have this live feeling to it wasn't something that you heard an awful lot on a lot an awful lot of on on his albums and it was easily the the high point of the of the album for me So we're both our mounds are pretty early on in this in this yeah. album, but there's a lot to love all the way to the I end. I told you the first first side. Side A. Side A. Side where a it's kind of at, person. man. Mm-hmm. In this album. It was really good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you sitting down and chatting with me. Yeah, thanks about for dedicating a, so much of your time to oh, getting through this seventy five minute mess. Yeah, this it was an absolute pleasure because this is it's fun. It's a great album. It's mm-hmm. very, very enjoyable from start to finish, other than the segues and even the songs that I didn't really super care for on this album. Still pretty great. It let's is admit great. it. So, yeah. 
Wonderful. So next time, we're going to look at uh, extended remixes, B-sides. So we hoped you enjoyed that reloaded episode of us reviewing uh, the Love Symbol album from 1992. We faded out there at the end, so you weren't confused over what's really coming next. <laughs> so what's really coming next in our next episode yes, is... Me. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Well, I thought I had something chosen and then kind of backtrack on it because I went back and looked at all we covered during this album, the Love Symbol album from 1992, and there was a related artist album that came out that we did not cover. What? Maybe because we were a little, I was a little skittish on including it that early in our podcast. I oh, didn't want to okay. lose anybody. <laughs> uh, I think we've got it all under control now. So we're well, going... we were new to podcasting. We didn't we quite were. know what we were doing. We were still trying to figure out, feel out our format. Yeah, well, this one kind of was buried deep in the pile, too. Oh, okay. So we're going to pull out. A related artist album from the Love Symbol era. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm going to see if you're as excited when I tell you. <laughs> oh, <time>. no. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. It's the Carmen Electra self-titled oh. album. Okay. It was released uh, in early 1993. It was recorded during primarily during the Diamonds and Pearls and Love Symbol album. Primarily all written and performed by Prince, although members of the NPG at the time, including Tony M., Levi Caesar, Michael B., also Eric Leeds, okay. and many other players are present on the album, and oh, I think we've got to go back and include that since we've reloaded 1992. It's an opportunity to set things straight. Excellent, excellent. Well, you've spoken glowingly about this in the past. So. There are parts of it that are good. Yeah, okay. Yep. We're good. We're going to explore the ups and downs of that one. Oh, all right. Well, I look forward to it. And if you want to see pictures of us at the Revolution and some videos, mm-hmm. maybe took a few little videos. They which told us we could. They were totally cool about it. Yep. Um, they're on Twitter. The videos get muted on Facebook. So, because... Yeah, a couple of them did. Not completely, but like during the chorus and things like that, it recognized it and tagged it as a copyrighted song owned by Warner Brothers and muted it. Okay. Twitter Twitter doesn't do that. Twitter doesn't do that. So, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can... Our handle is the Mountains in the Sea of Prince podcast at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast. So you can do both of those. And if for some reason you can't get on the social media or don't want to do that, then, uh, you know, hit me up with an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com, and I'll see what I can do to get that to you. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back at you with Carmen Electra's album in a couple of weeks. We'll see you then.